Ben, thanks. Drew and guys, and lady. Good morning, everyone. Good to uh, be with you again this morning. Um, before I get into um, just sharing from the scriptures, just want to give some notices. Um, particularly, really important, um, really encouraging. I hope you read the email this week. We were able to um, provide lunches for about 46 homes. On Friday, we've started now, not just a school, but some homes locally, and that's really encouraging, really a real blessing. And um, uh, I trust that you're encouraged that we've been able to do something really positive in the community. However, it does mean that the pressure to provide for these lunches is, is there, um, and so if you're able to help provide food or um, money, but most importantly this morning, I want to ask if there's anyone who could help deliver these um, packages of food. So they tend to be around 11 o'clock in the morning. We need, obviously, people with cars, just one car. Um, tomorrow morning, we don't actually have a car, so we're going to struggle tomorrow morning because both Jana and I are unable to be there. Um, so if you're able, if you've got a car just for half an hour, three quarters an hour, in the morning, around about 11 o'clock, you're able just to help Abigail, please could you let me know urgently, that would be fantastic. Also on the email, there's a request from the trustees. We're looking to um, in, uh, invite anyone who wants to become a trustee. If you're interested, want to know what that's about, contact Hannah um, or Guy, Hannah Lydon. Um, other than that, I think they were the general notices. We continue to pray. I trust you'd be there tonight, seven o'clock on Zoom, um, to continue to pray. Um, but other than that, let's pray for the word. Father, we thank you. We come before you this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to worship you. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We bless you. Lord, and may your word speak to our hearts. We thank you, Father, for the ongoing work that you are doing at the moment in us, in this town, in this world. Lord, in your church, and we pray, Father, that you will prepare us for what you have um, uh, planned to happen in the months uh, ahead. And so we, uh, we just commit these things to you and pray, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, I, uh, I want to carry on in, in my th uh, theme of being prepared. And um, so I... Last time I spoke, I spoke about being prepared to be hospitable um, and there's a preparation in our hearts and there may be a preparation in our homes for when we're able to open up our homes or our gardens um, and some of that might be just connecting with people, phoning people, but also just um, examining our own hearts if there's anything that stops us from wanting to be hospitable. So I want to move on to, I want to talk about the church family and... Um, what that means for the church, for us as Christians. Uh, the other thing I've been speaking just now and then recently is about what's been come to known as the progressive Christianity movement. And, um, and those who follow such ideas are, are now um, taken on board certain ideas that the Bible isn't the word of God, that there is no judgment or um, hell and all sorts of things. It's um, basically going back on a lot of things that we would presume to be and believe to be, rightly, um, very important 
teachings that we need to believe. Um, and the link between those two is often that many people are forced into these kind of movements, not because they're just looking to live a sinful life. It's because they've been hurt in church and, and they've been dealt uh, wrongly in church. Some, it might be uh, because of a very restrictive, legalistic kind of church. Um, it might be that it's um, a very abusive kind of church. It might be that they've been dealt with very, in, a, in a very wrong way in in the church, and so it's caused them to leave the church and look for what is uh, opposite to what they've known. So um, I wanted just to go to Galatians chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles, just to read the first, um, first few verses, really. Um, and then this is really what I want to talk about. I want to talk about bearing one another's burdens, creating an environment where people can be restored, people can be healed, and people can grow in God. And, um, and what Paul is doing in Galatians is that if you, if you read the, the letter, he's dealing with the issue of legalism. And he's dealing with the issue also of flesh. Because legalistic, when you, when you make Christianity about adhering to rules, you, you inadvertently move into living by the flesh. You live in the natural. Um, you're not living in relationship, which is a spiritual thing. A relationship with Jesus is spiritual. And so he's talking in Ephesians chapter 6, he's talking about there's two states of the Christian life. These are Christians. Um, there is the flesh state and the spiritual state. You can live in your flesh or you can live, if you like, in your spirit or walk in step with the spirit, as Paul says, and every person comes to the Lord with baggage. It can, can be their, uh, and that's not all negative, it can be their, you know, their background, it can be their culture, it can be ideas and philosophies, things that they've learned over time. It could be their, um, it, will, it will be their sinfulness, and also a lot of misunderstandings of what a Christian is, and, um, and so forth. And, but mainly, we come to faith as people who have been living every day, every moment in the flesh. We've been living by, led by our soul, our feelings, our thoughts, um, and our actions are influenced by our flesh or our sinful nature. And when God comes by his Holy Spirit, he comes in such a way that makes us alive in our spirit that we start to live in, under the influence and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So in chapter 5, 16 to 24, Paul's teaching the church, we don't have to read it, um, about the difference between walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit. And so he says, you know, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And he lists the desires of the flesh. Um, he says the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. So very new Christians will find this as you grow in the Lord. The idea is that you become more and more spiritual, that is led by the spirit. But Every one of us, however long we've been a Christian, will find at times there's a warring between our flesh desires and our, if you like, the leading of the Holy Spirit. So sin always remains an issue. Just Romans chapter 6 says that when the Spirit comes, sin is rendered powerless. But our flesh is always going to fight against the Spirit. And the desires of the flesh, he says, are things such as sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, 
um, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. And a lot of these things, if you notice, are sins or elements of the flesh that come into play when people are at odds together. And he goes on in verse 20, um, 29, I haven't got my glasses with me, I think it's 29. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So he's, he's talking to the Christian community, the church family. He's saying, listen, you've got to identify when you're living in the flesh, you move into conceit, you move into provoking one another, envying one another, and you're at odds with one another. And you're at odds with yourself, you're at odds with the Holy Spirit within you. So he's teaching them that as soon as you try to deal with sin in the flesh, you're never going to be able to do it. And that means also sin in, in the company of people. If sin is in the church body and you deal with that in the flesh, you will not, it will often lose to, uh, um, move to legalism, it can lose to judgments, it can, it can lead to um, all sorts of problematic things that causes people to be hurt and to move on and to leave because they're upset. Um, and the other thing, just to make a point, we all know this, I'm sure, when we live in the flesh, we're led into sin. And, uh, but over time, we're learning what it means to live in the spirit and we're learning how to understand when we're in the flesh and that's called sanctification, the process by which we become more like Christ over time. So that's the kind of background. And so Paul then comes here to chapter 6. I'm just going to read verses 1 to 10. We're not going to go through all of it, but he says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a trans transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfil the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbour. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So, verse 1, if anyone is caught in any transgressions. There's times when we as Christians are overtaken by sin and the, the, uh, this, the meaning of this word carries the idea of surprise. In other words, it is not premeditation, uh, premeditation is that the word? Is that the word? When we plan to sin, it's when whatever situation comes upon us, we find ourselves committing sin, whether it's mind, thought, word, deed, um, and we find ourselves doing it. And we may look back and say, how did I let myself do that? And so he's saying, if anyone is overcome by or caught in any transgression, um, and, I, and I, you know, I want to make the point, I wonder how many of us here this morning have experienced that, even this week. 
where we've said, done, or thought something, and we thought, how on earth did I do that? It almost like it was come up against me. Um, and it reminded me of when Cain brought a sacrifice to God in Genesis, and God didn't accept it, and he was angry. And God said to him, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Sin is crouching at the door. And sin is not an individual, it's not a person like Satan. But there is this continual pressure in the flesh, almost like sin, waiting around every corner, waiting for that moment of weakness, where crouches and then he'll leap out of the shadows wherever there's an opportunity. And as I said earlier, Galatians 5.17, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit to keep you from doing what you want to do. And so he's not talking about premeditated sin. He's, he's not talking about the lifestyle of sin. If we're in the lifestyle of sin, that's a, a similar situation. We should go and seek to restore people. But on this issue, he's talking about there are times when we fall into sin, stumble into sin, and that can lead to us um, feeling like we've messed everything up, shame, we're hiding our sin from one another, the enemy can get a foothold in, he can make it worse because if we don't feel that there's an environment in the church family where we can be restored, then we can lock up and we can fear. And especially in, and I don't believe this is our church, legalistic environments where you are not reaching the code and you know that people are going to look at you and judge you because you know that you haven't reached the code that is, the, or whether it's said or unsaid in church, and as I say, I don't believe this is our situation, um, then it, what it can do is just further and further cause people to be um, compressed into their problems rather than brought out and found, find restoration. But so here's this, here's this idea, they're caught. Another way you can think about this is that sometimes the Christian life is seen um, or is referred to as a battle where God's soldiers... And, uh, and this can be like living on the front line. And um, when you're on the front line, you, the idea is not to get shot or not to be harmed, but at times we can get wounded. And there are times when Christians get wounded. And, um, and what a tragedy if in church, the way we deal with our wounded is to judge them for why they got wounded in the first place. Our goal as church is to create an environment like a hospital and just bring in, and I'll probably mention this again later, this similarity is why it links with hospitality because hospitality is an environment that welcomes people as they are in order that they may find Jesus or they may find healing or restoration. So if hospitality, what does it look like in the church body? It's this, it's creating an environment where people can come and be who they are and find restoration, find teaching, find learning, find growth. And so Paul says, let... Um, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now, I, when I was a, a young, when I was a child, I thought spiritual meant that you knew a lot of stuff, but the reality is spiritual means that you are walking in the spirit. You are, you are being led by the spirit, and that's just referring back to we can't deal with these things in the flesh. We have to deal with them in the spirit, and gentleness is a, uh, a gift of the spirit. 
And this is why I mentioned the progressive Christianity problem is the, the tragedy of so many Christians who were looking for healing, restoration. They were looking for help with their doubts. Um, they wanted a place where they could share their questions, what they didn't understand, but they couldn't voice them in churches because they would have been judged. They would have been put out and they couldn't come as themselves into a place where they could receive this restoration in a spirit of gentleness. So um, they're forced out into all these kind of deceptive beliefs. But Paul is showing us who, how and what should be the response. The who, a spiritual person, the what, restoration, the how, gentleness. So the who, a spiritual person, one who is walking in the spirit. And you can read that at the end of Galatians chapter 5. Um, if we live by it, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's someone who is able to be led by the Spirit and gentleness, aware of the leading of the Holy Spirit, someone who is sensitive to what God is wanting to do, one who can come with comfort and encouragement. Um, I've never met anyone who is, well, no, maybe I should be. Um, I've met so many people that have every reason to be judgmental on the basis of their righteousness, but they've been such gentle such wise, such soft people. There's something wonderful about when you meet people like that, um, you know, this whole idea of meekness. Um, and this is the spirit in which Paul is saying, we could rightly come along to someone and say, well, look, it's your fault you're in this situation. Why didn't you do this? But Paul says, no, come with gentleness or meekness, your Bible might say. So the flesh, if we come this in the flesh, Maybe we're coming, we're looking at the flesh response, we're looking at the activity, what's happened. We're looking because we're actually just keen on involvement. Um, so there, uh, it's, I don't think I'm uh, um, out of line when I say, often I hear people are more interested in drama than solving problems. Um, it's almost like people like the soap opera of life rather than wanting to help people move on from where their situation is. The, the Bible says plenty about gossip and we all know in Christian circles, the kind of bit of a joke now, um, the, the other words of gossip are, let me, you know, how can I pray for you? <laughs> um, but I'm sure none of us are like that. But when you operate in the, in the flesh, we can focus on the wrong things. We need to be led by the Spirit on what is it, how we can care for and restore people. And this is what he says. He says, you who are sp spiritual should restore him. Um, and this is the wonderful promise. If you're caught in sin, there is restoration. That's, that's the gospel. The gospel is not that we have free chances, free strikes and you're out. The gospel is if you're falling to sin, one John, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We can ask for forgiveness. We need to get right back up. But often we need help in order to learn from what caused us to go into that sin. And this is the problem when often we make mistakes, we don't learn from them, the mistakes will keep carrying on. And, uh, and again, the context here of that word is a, is, is a continual relationship. It is not me coming along someone and saying, you know, look, don't worry, God's forgiven you. You know, get up and move on. And then I'm out of the picture. Restoration is a walk, it's a continual relationship with until they are fully restored. So it's not a one-off prayer. It's not just a message of encouragement, although they're helpful. But it is walking with people and being there with people 
so that they can receive confidence of their forgiveness, they can receive grace and love, they can be reminded of the truth, they can resist the devil who will want to try to draw them back to sin and they can strengthen, I think, the, 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 I don't think it's in Peter, it says strengthen your weak, your, your low-hanging arms, I think it says something about strengthening people. And uh, this word restore is used especially as a surgical term of setting a bone or a joint um, or sustaining or strengthening worn down people. Um, it goes on to other uh, um, examples of a sailor outfitting his boat or fisherman mending nets. Um, it's this setting a bone of a joint takes time and it requires, this is my medical expertise, it requires something to keep it in place. I think that's about right, looking for... <laughs> Um, like a cast, and it keeps it there. And sometimes people need to come around people to be, the, to be the help, to reset the bone, as it were, until there's, the healing is completed. And it's done in a spirit of gentleness. It's taking the individual's interest at heart. It is friendliness, meekness, love, care. Um, harsh words can impound guilt and condemnation, gentleness, will lead people back to confidence in God. You know, we need to be a place, and I, when I say we need to be, it's not that we are not, but I think that we need to continually make sure we're a place where people can come and share, and I don't mean openly, I mean in, in relationship, share where things have gone wrong, share their doubts, share their questions, and be accepted with gentleness in order to lead them through and help them walk with these, with these um, issues. <clears throat> the worst thing is, is when you hide in fear with your issues, when you hold them to yourself out of fear, they can grow and become very infectious in our own um, spiritual life. And one of the obstacles Paul goes on to talk about this is, in, is pride. He says, um, keep watch on yourself lest you be too be tempted and he goes on, if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbour. And in the middle of that he says, bear one another's burdens. Keep yourself. You know, in other words, um, we can approach another person's situation from a position of confidence, but everyone is in... <laughs> The reason we can help others because we know it could be the other way around the next time. Um, I might be supporting someone through their, because of their sinful activity, back to restoration. And I could be in that same situation because we are all potentially able to be tempted. Keep watch on yourself in that situation lest the sinfulness of pride overcome you. Look what a great guy I am because I'm willing to spend some time with Brad. I'm a sacrificial man. More the other way around, isn't it, Brad? We can be prideful. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, we each have burdens. We each may carry something, responsibilities, struggles, life in general, it could be emotional or mental struggles and we all carry these burdens and the Spirit of God enables us to carry our burdens. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me all you heavy laden 
And I'll give rest. He says, take my yoke. He says, my burden is light. He says he takes our burden, but he gives us a burden, a responsibility, an, op- an opportunity to serve. Um, and sometimes when you feel like you've been released from one burden, you see there was another burden sitting behind it. And the whole process of walking in the Lord is just finding freedom from the variety of things that can come upon us. And, uh, and God is calling us to be aware that others carry a burden. There's a time where, um, this is Ecclesiastes, the wisdom of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. In other words, we all carry burdens, but God has designed it that we live in community and that we walk together, that at the times where one is weak, we carry their burdens. Imagine going on a walk with all the backpacks and everything and someone's struggling, then maybe someone takes that burden off them to give them a light pack while they walk for a bit and then they carry it back. You know, we're supposed to walk with one another and this is why restoration is more than a phone call, it's a walk. And if there's anything we can do at the moment, unless they change it um, within this, in the next couple of days, um, we can meet up with one person for a walk, physically. But spiritually, we can walk with people. We can pick up the phone. We can be in conversation. We can walk through situations with people. So he follows this. He says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. As I said, even though we're spiritual, we're walking with the Lord Anything can kick us into the flesh. Each one tests his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbour, for each will bear his own load. In other words, for those who are helping others, do not let your help be something to boast about. Don't let your, the idea that you are a great person to help people we all know it's the Lord that will do anything that's worthwhile in us. And it's helpful to know and to say that I'm available rather than I have this great ability to help people. Um, and that's not to say that some people maybe do have a great ability through their learning, through counselling, through all sorts of things, but it is God who makes every difference. What does it mean, test our own work? Are you consciously aware of your motivations? Why are you helping people? Are you doing it for yourself to make you feel good or are you doing it for the other person? Test your own work. Think about what you're doing. Each will have to bear his own load. The Greek word here for load is like a pack for a marching soldier. Um, The context here, the idea here, some commentators believe is that it's referring to the end, that there will be a day where the responsibilities that God puts on us, the burden that he gives us, the responsibilities, the calling, the works that he has, like Ephesians 2.10, that we have been creating Christ Jesus to do good works for which um, Christ or God has prepared beforehand. Um, there are certain responsibilities that we need to bear. And there'll be a day where we stand before the Lord and give an account for what we did. And the scripture talks about um, rewards and such forth. And you can look at this in Matthew 25 and talents or Paul's letter to Romans in chapter 14. Um, 
of the, the spiritual one um, who comes alongside someone in the spirit of Genesis is doing it as part of their service of Christ and for others. There's nothing in it for me. That's the idea. Jump forward to verse 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So again, just bringing these similarities with hospitality. Um, If we are not creating an environment, a hospitable or a hospital environment in the church, how can we ever create a hospital or hospitality environment for people outside the church? And I think that's the spirit which Paul's saying. He's saying... Every, if we have opportunity, do good to everyone, but especially those of the household of faith. And maybe that is something that we can start doing. As I say, we can't do it in the flesh, but we can do it on the phone. We can meet up one-to-one. We can ask ourselves, what about me from my perspective? Is there a community, a number of people, one or two, that I can be myself with and I can share my struggles and difficulties knowing that there's an environment for me to do that, and I know that there'll be a heart and desire for restoration, not a desire to judge or to cast out. The other thing that's wonderful about this, once we get this, and once we know this, or as we work this out, which you know works out in many aspects of our church now, as this works out, John 13, 35 comes alive. By this will all people know you are my disciples, if you love one another as they see this love, they see this environment. One of the couple of things that have been said this week, I won't mention them, but been encouraging, is when the world has an idea about the church which is negative, and then they see that that is misinformed, and actually they're blown away by the way that the church operates. And that's such a great joy, when you remove people's bad ideas about church. And when maybe when people are seeing us as we operate together, as we care for one another, as we allow people to come, even though they've done something wrong, they've been caught in sin, but the idea is that we are looking to restore them, not allow them to continue in their sin, but to restore them. So what kind of environment should we have in our church family? This is the big question. We need spiritual people, need to walk in the spirit, need to be willing to be vulnerable, Again, not in front of everyone. I don't think that's appropriate. It's not, bibli- you know, it's not biblical. Um, I'm not going into church discipline. That's another subject, really, which this could lead on to. But in the context of this, it is where one man or woman goes up to another in a spirit of gentleness. We need to be willing to be helped. If you're not willing to be helped, maybe you need to spend some time in the Lord and pray about that. Is that a pride issue? Is that a historic issue? Is that a healing issue? Is that something that you need to address just by sharing with one person? We need to be willing to help others and commit to the long haul. Are we willing to walk with people? We need to be in contact with others. Um, I'd say those contact options are are lessened, but we have them. The hospitality starts in the church as a hospital for wounded soldiers. So let me just reiterate some things before I close. If you're caught in a sin, what one or two people are you close enough to where they will know to restore you or you can share for them to help you be restored? Now, it's important even today, really, if not more so, 
that we keep connected with people and we journey with people and that people are able to come alongside us. Um, we, don't, we don't want these people who are just interested in fixing others for their own selfish desires, but they're willing to come in a spirit of sacrifice, help heal, to help lead people to repentance, help people grow and strengthen. If you know of someone caught in a sin, are you willing to come alongside them for the long haul? Are you willing to come and listen? Now, there's a whole routine that we would talk about often. Sometimes it's helpful to help people just to talk about what's happened. Just observe what happened. Why did that happen? What's God speaking to you in that? What's God wanting to do in your heart? What are you going to plan to do differently? How are you going to remain accountable? Like going around a circle. And we're like that one. Shame and guilt are your enemies. Hidden sins are powerful. You break them by sharing them. And pastoral care is the most effective in relationship. Godly friends who are with you and for you no matter what. Building friendship and relationships through hospitality in our community groups are important places as well. So I want to encourage you this morning. Now, I believe that we are really, really quite good and not judging people. But I always think there's always room. I think it's in um, Thessalonians where Paul says, I know you're doing this, but I just want you to do it more. He says it a number of times if you want to read it. So I want to pray for us. Let's be not just a place of hospitality, but a hospital. And maybe after this pandemic, there may be a lot of things that we need to walk with people in because this pandemic doesn't help. So let's pray, shall we? And do you want to? Father I just want to thank you that you the way that you've dealt with us is the picture of how you want us to deal with others you came in a spirit of gentleness Lord you had every right to judge us to cast us aside but Lord you not only have come in a spirit of gentleness but you are the one who took all the sacrifice you're the one who took all the pain and Lord I just want to thank you for this church I thank you for our core desire Lord, we don't want to cast anyone out. We want this to be a place of restoration, a place of healing for many. Lord, so I just want to pray that you would just further concrete, solidify this heart and this passion. Lord, help us in these days to put what that means into practice within the confines that we're in. Bring to mind those that maybe just need an encouragement, may need a call. Lord, for those that we're walking with, Lord, that we would have the openness and the willingness to share our struggles, our difficulties. Lord, I want to thank you for this. This is gospel. This is wonderful, Lord. If the world knew this more than what they think they knew, Lord, it would blow their minds. So, Lord, I want to pray, Father, for that opportunity that people will see your church in action, like in John 13, that they may know, Lord, that we follow you and that they may glorify you Lord, because of it. So, Lord, just pray for us and commit us to you. Pray for those, Lord, who need to do something about this today. Give them courage, boldness, Lord, and, Father, that promise, that encouragement that they can be and will be restored in you. So we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.